listening to another hope-filled message from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifeau.org. If we choose what God has chosen, get this, our descendants live. This is more than just, hey, fundraising. This is legacy. And I want us today, we're going to go to a video. We're going to have one every week because legacy is about seeing the facilities that God wants us to have become a reality. It's about reaching a community that's desperate and in need. And it's about having a kingdom spirit. Let's go to the screen. I thought my teenage years were pretty normal. I had a good bunch of friends and we did school during the week and parties in the weekend. During my uni years, we would definitely drink a lot, but everyone was, so I didn't really think too much about it. One night stands out though. Everyone was heading into town and even though I wasn't feeling great, I decided to go too in the hope that things would, you know, pick up. Instead, they got worse. Guessing I fell because everything just went black. This was the moment that everything changed. Now I'm living the life I was meant for. special welcome to our 2018 Legacy Month. The truth is, I'm so excited standing here in our new central facility. It's amazing. And if you're new to life, you may not yet be aware that Legacy is all about the fact that we as a church believe we are in our greatest season ever. For as long as I can remember, we have received an annual Heart for the House offering which has been for the continued development of all that we're doing in the community and kingdom areas of our vision, and also the further expansion of our amazing facilities. Last year, we gave birth to our 2020 legacy season, and we outlined what we believe is our God-given strategy to see us collectively raise a commitment of 20 million annually going into community needs by the end of 2020. What a vision. And through our collective commitment, both here in New Zealand and Australia, we are believing for 3,000 giving units made up of individuals, couples or families committed to raise our goal of $45 million. And with already 18,290,000 committed, we this year are believing for our next step in the miracle to take place. Legacy is all about creating a generational foundation with an ongoing echo. It's about every one of us who has made life home, coming together to partner, to play our part in what God has for us in this season. And there is no doubt that God has a plan that includes every one of us. I believe what he is looking for is our yes. And it's our yes that creates a legacy platform. With any new season, there are new challenges that come with going to the next level. 
And I believe our challenge is this requirement to respond to what God is doing in the now. And I thought it would be great today for all of us to meet Jace, see what makes him tick, to hear his thoughts about creating a legacy through what God has entrusted him with. I grew up in uh, North Shore, Auckland, had an older brother, younger sister, mum and dad, so grew up good family. Um, not a Christian one, but uh, grew up with good ethics, good morals, and went to the old rugby, cricket and water polo, so I think for mum and dad's sake of mind, they'd rather have me on the field running around than running around home. get into hunting? Oh, wasn't it only four or five years ago? Yeah. Just once the body got a bit old for cricket, you know? <laughs> wasn't quite ready for the bowls, the transition from cricket to bowls, so... I quite often don't shoot many. Like, I just love being... just being out here and being in their environment. Because you've got to remember, this is their, their home and you're coming in, so... It's more of the challenge of just finding them and seeing them. And actually love getting up sort of as close as I can. So yeah, did cricket for four or five years. One of the mates we studied with persuaded me to come to church. Right. And so uh yeah, first service, young adult service on a Friday night. The old hang, hang went up. The big thing is in, in the sporting industry, it's quite cutthroat. It's quite competitive. It's all about them and progressing their career. I think the difference thing about the church is they're all about you. You know, it's all about the one and making you feel at home. And, uh, you know, opportunity opened up uh, working with a developer. So, yeah, just pull pin on the career of cricket and entered into the career of property and projects and development. Plan of attack, Jay. Unfortunately, Abe, I think we need to uh, we need to pack up and, and get out of here. I've got a big couple of days. It's been a great morning, great day. Seen a few deer, heard a few roaring, but yeah, keen to get back and get back into the real stuff. Yeah, so I get up pretty early, probably usually around 5, 5.30, and then, um, yeah, get on the road, try to bit the traffic and get over here by about 6, so grab a coffee and a water and head back to my desk, just spend a little bit of time and get my armour on for the day. I've had a real sense of the project that you know, it's like the Olympic flame. After the Olympic, we spend four years carrying it from country to country. And uh, I just found this photo of this, this. He's actually a war vet, and he lost all his legs, and he did 300 metres. He walked the furthest he'd ever walked. You know, he's obviously picked the flame up from someone else, you know. Um, and that's what legacy is about. So we can all do something. We can all carry something. It just serves as a reminder for me, and that's why I come in early. Got my first meeting of the, of the morning with Cal. Cal's a, a, one of the owners of Stride and uh, one of the main players on site sort of runs the team. And so we catch up on a weekly basis early in the week just to 
set some key targets, um, talk about momentum, and we couldn't have asked for a better contractor on, on this job. It's a real cool time to be on site. It's just so much happening, and it's like, literally, it changes every day. Um, so normally, like, obviously, there's flurry in projects. It swings and momentums, but at the start of the project can be a little bit slow, but then you have demolition and the structure goes up and it's like, wow, you start to see this skeleton of this big thing. And it's just also it's change every day, you know. You don't want to miss it. That's why I love coming on site. It's certainly very challenging. I would have never thought I could have done this, yeah. you know. And it's just been, it's been awesome to be part of the team. Not just building great buildings for the sake of it, you know, it's, um, it is for people. Got a few other meetings, uh, central development meeting, it happens with sort of the exec team. Can be very, very detailed, uh, it can also be very high level. Mainly just cover off sort of all the key decisions that need to be made. Sort of as we discussed on site, just firing questions and making sure that the team are thinking about the operation side of it so that when we take possession, it's perfect for what we need. Off to uh, the Auckland City Council offices. It's been a challenge, but we've yeah we've worked really well with them. They've been very supportive. There's been some great people in there who have uh, kind of helped us along the way, and we've just seen miracle after miracle. I just can't wait to see people's reactions. I just can't wait to see them walk into the building and. I hope that the heart behind everything that's gone into it and every decision that people are just... I hope there's just a real sense of peace and, and familyness and togetherness and, and um, when they walk through those doors of just, wow, this is awesome. This is, this is why I've done Legacy. This is why I've been a part of it. This is why we all do it. What moves me most is seeing the right people in the right place at the right time, willing to take on the task God has entrusted to them. Jason, along with the rest of the team, have been working so hard so that in just five months' time, we get to open the new central doors. It's a miracle, and it's a place where many will find home. We are excited about the growth right across life. And currently, up in our North Campus, we're working on development plans with our new Plan B building, which we recently purchased. This is going to enable greater space for every aspect of what God is doing. In fact, across all our campus facilities, we are currently looking into how we can merge community and church, looking at the commercial potential of how we can, through childcare, cafes, and even gyms, see this develop anything at all that will engage this growing community connection. We are so thankful to God that in Melbourne, recently we were able to secure another three years on our building lease. And yes, we've been saving hard and now able to have more than $700,000 already put aside for our future Melbourne campus. We are seriously committed to our life facilities. That church will become a home not just another service in our community. This year, we've seen record attendances at Easter and our Christmas productions. In fact, we've seen thousands of churched and unchurched people walking through our doors for the very first time, hearing and experiencing the message of Jesus 
and many of them making life-changing decisions. You know, it's through legacy that all of us help to continue to build a bridge to those that are yet to find home, to experiencing the life-changing love that we have experienced through our incredible Heavenly Father. Another new initiative that we've committed to partner with this year is Immerse. And Immerse has this vision to radically transform the culture of foster care in Aotearoa. And we're excited to be a part of seeing this happen. Ursula, with her family, who have been part of life for many years, is the co-founder of this organisation. And we caught up with her at their office in Albany. I would say that I was born with a desire to work with orphans. I don't know what um, the way that came from. It's obviously just there. When I was 27, I was pregnant with our third child and I got a phone call to take in three of our extended family's children. Uh, so I became an overnight foster parent of five and a half. <laughs> Putting the kids to bed that night, I was like, actually, this is what I was born to do. So that began 15 years ago. And we've had over 35 kids through our home in the last 15 years. Three to five years ago, my co-founder and I thought we should recruit other people. And then we were finding a year down the track that they were no longer caregiving. And you would ask why, and they would say... Um, not because they couldn't handle the children, but because they couldn't handle the system at the time. And so we were like, well, we just obviously need to become the system. Immerse exists, I guess, to radically transform the culture of care. That's our vision. So, um, so Immerse is now an NGO. We are allowed to uh, recruit caregivers, our own caregivers, train them. We also are going to provide a Saturday program that um, life is involved in for children in care. And it's basically group therapy wrapped in fun. It gives the foster families respite. Then we've got our young people service 13 plus where we wrap a whole lot of services around our young people that are going to transition to adulthood. The other thing we have going on at the moment is we were successful in January with a government pilot application. By us implementing this training and this support systems and the things that we have um, put together at Immerse, the government is measuring, does it build their capability as a caregiver? Does it provide stable, long-term, um, happy homes for children at risk? The current stats are that 80% of our children in care by their 21st birthday have not got NCA level two. 90% are on a benefit. 40% have had a youth justice referral and 20% are incarcerated. So what I would like to see change is that children in care not only don't have those horrendous statistics, but actually that in care they've received what they need to actually be doing better than the average. We actually came into life in a real crisis season of our own family and um, the support that came around us and really just the message of today might be like this but tomorrow is going to be different. And now we know just how much need there is out there in all different walks of life where people can hopefully find a place to heal and then find their purpose. And that's definitely 100% attributable to the vision and mission and the heart of Pastor Paul and Marie. Wouldn't it be great 
if as well as partnering financially, many of us here at Life would become caregivers through the ministry of Immerse. We would provide not only safe homes for these children, but an answer for their futures. The truth is we have just two and a half years before the end of 2020 to collectively invest into the legacy miracle. Today I'm asking whether you would consider what part you could play by being part and one of the 3,000 legacy partners. For some, 45 million may seem well beyond reach, and I understand that. But our goal includes 300 Gideons committing to carry and investing the 30 million over our legacy term, and then a further 2,700 builders committing to raise 5 million per annum. When this happens, our God-given miracle becomes our reality. Once New Zealand facilities become debt-free, we will then be positioned to invest at least every year $20 million into our community mission. I think from my heart to yours is this, is collectively, as we join together and decide to become part of the Legacy family, miracles begin to happen. I can't begin to imagine what will happen in the hearts and the lives of people that experience unconditional love and find that there is a God that will help them in their need. It's going to take a step. It's going to take a stretch. But we are able to do something significant that is literally going to fuse heaven to earth. Legacy Family is about people that will live beyond themselves and reach into the heart of need with the love of an awesome, amazing, and eternal God. Why don't we right across every campus? Come on. Let's thank God for what he's doing. Give him some praise. You know, I love to just take a moment and uh, in my own way describe to myself what legacy means. And I've been saying recently, legacy, it's my lasting echo. There's an echo that goes on. In fact, I've just got back from Australia last night speaking over there and I said to the exec team, I said, why don't you on Friday, I think it was Friday morning, send me through just a legacy thought. What, what does legacy mean to you? And I said, I'll use the best ones. Somebody wrote and they said, well, legacy gives me the opportunity to be part of creating something that will have significant eternal impact. And then Pastor Scott wrote and he said this, legacy is about my now declaration and obedience that echoes to generations to come. And so I said to them, we're all live. I said to them, Scott's winning by a country mile. So then Luke sent to me, legacy is about looking like your dad. <laughs> and I said, well, it's neck and neck right now. And then somebody sent me this one. Legacy is about giving the devil the bird. <laughs> and I don't know who it was. Oh, it is up there. <laughs> but somebody was just going, I said, yep, first place. That may upset you, but in one sense, it's kind of like legacy is not this kind of nice kind of season. 
Maybe it's new to you if you're new to the things of God. You're online today. You're at our acoustic service. You're in north or south or here at Central. And it's kind of like, so what is this legacy thing? Is it about just raising money? No, it's something so much more than that. Because to me, legacy ensures the next generation gets to experience the God dream we carry today. We are so committed to our own worldview rather than having a generational impact. And as I've taken time, and I'm going to be pretty straight today, I I said, God, what is it that you have on your heart over these three weeks? And I felt for week one of legacy, it's kind of like, it's all about a divine cause. This is not just another season and another church calendar, but there is a divine cause. I looked up the word cause And I love this definition. It's a genesis giving rise to a phenomenon. Imagine living your life looking back as your human life comes to an end and said, because of my participation, look at this phenomenon. Look at what is happening, the beginning, the birthing, because I lived a cause. To be honest today, I want to get what is deep in my heart. I have a, a deepening disturbance. As I get to travel globally, I have a disturbance, even with the church in New Zealand. And you go, well, what is that, Paul? Because I realize that there is an emerging voice outside of the church, but also inside the church that is challenging the eternal authority of God and His Word. It's kind of like my Christianity for many today is what suits me, what fits in to what I can work out with my mind and my feelings are okay with that. And there is this emergence of a voice, as I said, not just outside, but also inside the church. I observe so many that once we're living with a passion, once living with an uncompromising determination to see God's kingdom come to earth, now drifting, now becoming distracted by earthly stuff, now even being totally in a place of deception when it comes to the authority of God's Word. And I go, God, and God's saying, there is a challenge that stands before us. Society is dictating the removal of eternal boundaries. And we know we're not here to be known for what we're against, but for God's sake, let's be known for what we're for. There is an enemy that is warring against your soul, against the generations that are being born. Some don't even get to see daylight. And it's kind of like, well, that's the lesser of a few evils, is it? Or is there time for a generation like you and I to go, no, no, we we love God, we love people, but we are in a place and I felt drawn to the story of David and Goliath and sharing it with Luke. And then Luke said, oh, I just preached on that a couple of weeks ago in Central. And then I heard that B-Rad was preaching on that at South. So that just encouraged me even more. Because if you get the context and you know the story in 1 Samuel 17, it's Jesse, a father of seven, has three of his oldest boys in the army, the Israelite army. They had all of the outer Look, they had the sense of being somebody to brag about. And they were at war with the Philistines 
And dad was missing the three boys. And so he calls his youngest son, David. And he says, will you bring food to my sons, your brothers? And he arrives at the battle. In fact, in verse 19, Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in this valley of Elah. They were fighting with the Philistines. When you unpack that, you realize nobody was fighting. They were all dressed for battle. They were in the context of a battle, but they weren't fighting. And so David rose early in the morning and left his sheep, did what dad said. And he came to the camp as the army was going out to fight and they were shouting for battle. Let me give you the picture. Modern day. They turned up to church to worship. They had the wonder upon them of exalting God, but not executing that divine commission. I think sometimes I pray we never become a church that lives the delusion of Sunday worship that doesn't move into Monday authority. So why are you at church? Because it makes me feel good. Well, that's cool. Why haven't you been at church? Well, you don't understand. My friends are not going anymore and it's just a little too hard. And mm-hmm. Let's talk about that a little. Because the challenge for me is we can be gathered. And that's what Samuel 117 says at a place called Soko, which belonged to God. But God had no authority. The enemy was standing on the ground that belonged to God. And for 40 days, the Philistine army would stand on one side of the hill and the Israelites on the other and Goliath in the middle just taunted the Israelites. You can't change this. It's in the schools now. You can't change this. Society's accepted it. You can't change that. It's like just sing your songs, but don't you carry what you believe into your Monday. Don't you live for something that has all of heaven's authority at its disposal. Just caught up with fear of what's before you rather than the faith of what's in you. David spoke to the men, verse 26, and he says to them, so what will be done for the man that fights this Philistine, this Goliath? Then I love his spirit. It says, he says, for who is this uncircumcised? Philistine that he should defy the armies of the talk about giving him the bird and I know we can't give the bird but I've got a Christian bird it's four of them it's like come on it's our day church maybe your life has a belief in God it even has the exaltation of God in worship but I feel there's a divine cause that we need to embrace you see a divine cause removes the reproach of others. When we stand up and we leave the comfortability of standing with those that make it easy and we begin to walk into the valley, we've got to realize there's a call that there are many that are broken. What, what a mission to begin to embrace foster care in Aotearoa and believe that not just the comfortable safe bed is enough but the redevelopment of broken kids into a future of promise. 
And the facts are, for all of us, there is reproach that comes. Even Eliab, David's oldest brother, one of the three that were there in war, he, he gets angry with David's commitment. And he says to him, why did you come down here, David? You're just a little sheep keeper. Who have you left your little sheep with? I know your pride and your insolence of heart. You've just come down to look at the battle. Do you realize that's everything about Eliab, nothing about David? And I suppose I'm speaking, there's a call to every one of us that are a part of life, no matter where we're located today, even online, that a divine cause ends up removing the challenge. It also uh, removes the reproach. It also incites challenge. To stand up and to live with that kind of commitment, (laughs) you're going to find people begin to react. It's like recently, somebody feeling close to me is like, well, why would you spend all that money on those buildings? What a disgusting thing. Why don't we help the poor and the needy? And it's kind of like, when was the last time the poor and needy were at your place? Everything we are doing through it, legacy is because of the poor and needy. And God's given us a track to run on. And don't be surprised when you become someone who lives a divine cause that you're going to have challenge that says, well, you don't need to do that. Come on. Your bank balance tells you, you don't need to do that. Family, even account, you don't need to do that. The possibilities of what is in front are often hindered by what's around us. David He responded to his older brother, not an easy thing to do in the context. Verse 29, what have I done now? Is there not a cause? Are we prepared, church, here at Life, hand on heart, to leave our grandchildren to a day where we didn't make the difference we needed to make today? Is there not a cause? Aren't there still millions of people that need to find that there is an alternative to what they're fed through an enemy that's standing in the valley shouting at them? Is there not a cause? So David goes, you know the story, the battle. Well, he goes, the king hears about him, calls him in. He says, you're only a boy. He said, I might be a boy, but you need to understand when I was looking after my dad's sheep, a lion came. No lion's taken dad's sheep. And so I killed the, the lion and then a bear came. <laughs> and I killed the bear. And then he looks at the king and he says, for who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of a living God? You know, I think we have a church that's not standing up into cause because we're not taking down our lions. We're not taking down our bears. I think we're more committed to the comfort of the hill where we can sip our coffee, come on, with our friends. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know that. But if it's not about a cause, it ends in nothing. And I look and I go, God, you need to help us with this. David walks down to the Philistine, verse 45. He looks at this huge giant. He says, you come to me with a sword and a spear. You come with a javelin, but you realize what I'm coming with. I'm a son of God. I'm a daughter of the king. I come to you, not with all of the grandiose things you have, but I come in the name of the Lord of hosts. He's the God of the armies you have defiled. 
Our fight is not with flesh and blood, get this, but it is with principalities and powers. And I love how in verse 48 it says that he hurried and he ran to meet the army of the Philistines. He wasn't half-hearted. He wasn't second-guessing himself. And the Bible says he took from his pouch a stone in the sling that he had used out with the sheep. And he swung and he let it go and it hit Goliath right in the forehead. And it's an amazing thing that the Goliath fell forward, fell on his face. God used what he had to accomplish what God had. And I look and I think sometimes we give up so easily. And the thing is when all of the Philistines saw that Goliath was taken down, they ran and they fled. My question today is, come on church, heart to heart. Are you living a cause? Are we living a cause? Or are we living a belief? Are we up on Sunday but doing nothing on Monday? Are we here when it's convenient? Are we doing what works for us? Or is it something that has become so much bigger than that? When was the last time we could say we had 35 kids that weren't ours in our home? It's like, well, you just got to realize I don't have a lot. and I'm not sure that I can make a difference. Three reflections of David very quickly. And I just pray that you get these into your heart. The first thing I observe about legacy and David is this thought that David didn't see small as small. The enemy is always going to cause you to look at what you don't have rather than what you do have. I mean, if we get the picture, it's kind of like it's, it's pretty challenging because he was not one of the ones that was chosen to be in battle. He didn't have the armor. In fact, he went to the king and the king said, you need armor to be in this battle. So he tried on the king's armor and he says, it doesn't fit. It's no good. You don't need to worry about me because I've got a sling. What I've got is enough for what I need to do. And I'm going to take that sling and this enemy is not going to stand before me. Every one of us, we have a life. We have gifts. We have seed. We have incredible things that are still in seed form. And if we see small as small, we'll never be somebody living a divine cause. And he looked at himself and he says, no, small is not small. When Marie and I started life 26 years ago with others that came on board and helped us build, I felt totally inadequate and God had to teach me, if you keep looking at what you don't have, you'll never do what I have. And seriously, I'm calling. There's, a, there's like a trumpet blast. Will you, will you keep staying on your hills? Or you, you, you're going to mount up, come on, with wings as eagles. Are you going to run and not be weary? Are you going to walk and not fade? Are you going to begin to pray over what's there and say, God, what could we do with this? I'm not going to see small as small. And I reckon David didn't see small as small. Why? Because he understood a divine cause always attaches faith to fear. Fear is a real emotion. We all have fear. But I'm not going to allow fear to rule us. We're going to say, God, what are you saying? Because it has the backing of heaven. Second thing, David not only saw small or didn't see small as small, he didn't see big as big. (laughs) This kind of leapt out into my spirit. I thought, this is awesome. Imagine, let's say Dave's in his 10 years. We've got no indication, but let's give him five foot ten. 
So he's five foot ten. I'm five foot eleven. Goliath turns up and he's nine foot seven five feet tall. How many know that if he was playing LeBron James, LeBron James would have no chance. Being almost ten feet tall, but he didn't look at the size of the challenge. He looked through the size of the challenge to see the size of the armies of God waiting for a channel that would release the smallness of what they had. The enemy is always going to intimidate us with the size of the challenge. Even right now, how would we ever raise 45 million so that we could, as a minimum, be putting 20 million into community every year? I'm not looking at the size of the challenge. I'm looking at the God that's given it. Come on. If we don't see, if we see smaller, smaller, we see big as big, we'll never live this divine clause. God, your will's bigger than me. It always has been. Marie and I have always partnered and going, we're not settling. We're not living according to what we can do. We're living according to what God is asking us to do. Come on. We sang it today. You're never going to let me down. He has never let me down. There have been seasons where I don't know what he's doing. And I don't understand his rationale, but he has never let me down. Come on, do you see small is small? I want the teams to come and join us on each of the, the stages. And the third thing that I find about David, he didn't see small is small, he didn't see big is big. But David lived a divine cause. There's no other way to put it. He just lived a divine cause. He didn't turn up believing that maybe one day his life would have something special happen. But he lived it. He said, I'm going to leave the platform where the rest of the army are parked. And every nation, I'm speaking prophetically now. Don't be distracted. Every nation, God raises up a church to walk first. I'm not even saying that's us, but God always raises up a forerunner. In a family's history, God raises up someone who says, you know what? I enjoy the mountain. We can come back and fellowship here, but that's not what we were born for. Seriously, you've got to get my heart. So we're just going to turn up and just let the echoes of our life finish when we stop doing things? Or are we going to live this divine cause? This divine cause that says, I'll be the first to go. I'm going to shift something in my world. Remember, cause, a genesis, a beginning that gives rise to a phenomenon. He didn't need another man's armor. He was just responding with a yes. Yes, God, I'm here and I'm in. He comes with a sling. Goliath's got a bazooka. But David has a yes. And it's that yes that changes everything. How could we ever get 300 Gideons, people that will hugely financially sacrifice up until the end of 2020? To raise 30 million. That's what God put in my heart. I don't know how. There's a call going out for all of us at life. Maybe you're not a part of the Gideons, but you've got faith in finances. Well, on Saturday, we, we've got a day. And that's going to be for people that have already in on the Gideons level and others that would like to join. I think we have something on the screen. And maybe you're in a place where you go, you know, we want to do something super abundant when it comes financial, or at least hear about it then all you need to do is text and find out more information. We'll let you know it's a catered event and we, we're going to have from nine to three on Saturday. 
love you and your spouse to come. Or if you're on your own, come on your own, be a part of that. How, how are we going to do? How will we raise 2,700 builders that every year collectively will commit to raising 5 million? We had 2,100 of those last year that raised 4.1 million. But we need an average of 5 million every year. How, how will we do it? Well, we're going to believe that the God that set us up for this is the God that's going to help us with that. The outcome is the giant fell. The outcome was the enemy fled. The outcome is the nation received breath and they chased him down. You see, David lived a divine cause because a divine cause requires our all in. It's not half-hearted. It's not sort of a toe in the water. People have often said, why did he have five stones from the brook? I think the simple answer is I'm not sure that Goliath had four older brothers like I've heard before. I just think he was all in. Because I know after this giant, there'll be something else. Come on, I'm just all in. We're here for a cause. We're here to do whatever it takes, however it looks. And I love the thought that he ran towards him. The next three nights here at Life, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, we're going to have prayer meetings. Most of us are fasting. Some of us have already started. You go, why do you fast? Just so that nothing in my flesh is going to get in the way. Tomorrow night, Monday night up at North, we're going to be there. We're going to be praying for an hour. Tuesday night, down south, praying for an hour. Wednesday night here, praying for an hour. I'm asking the church to come out like we've never come out before. If we can't get off our mountain to come and pray, I'm going to tell you, we won't have the supernatural breakthrough that God is asking us to have. We can pray. We can break through. Be a part of that. Be committed to that. Know that God can do that. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Life. If you have any questions or want to contact someone about this message, visit lifeau.org.